from Thomas Edison State University. This is Edison Soundstage. Welcome everyone to the Edison Soundstage. Today we are here at the Public Service Leadership Studio talking about how our voices matter. Um, my name is Ann Fry Monahan. I'm the Associate Dean at the John S. Watson School of Public Service. And um, with me today, Barbara George Johnson and Dr. Gloria Frederick. We're going to be discussing all sorts of things relating to the upcoming national and local elections. I want to introduce you to my two colleagues here. Let me give you a little background on both. Let's start with Gloria. Dr. Gloria Frederick is a very busy woman, and so having her here today with us is very special. She has been working in community affairs for the last 30 years. Um, 28 years with the New Jersey Department of Community Affairs, five years with the state of North Carolina. When she retired, Gloria, being as important a person as she is to her community, did not let go of her civic mindedness and started a nonprofit called the Institute of Wonderful Women Working for Empowerment. This nonprofit supports women of color in the healthcare training, working towards healthcare professions. She's also been a longtime mentor for us in the Thomas Edison State University School of Public Service, helping us develop curriculum and courses. She's been a curriculum committee member for us, chair, past chair of the curriculum committee, a mentor, and also on the admissions committee. In 2015, Dr. Frederick was a representative to the UN on the 59th Commission on the Status of Women. Welcome, Gloria. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And my colleague, Barbara George Johnson currently is the executive director of the John S. Watson Institute for Public Policy. She also has 30 years of public policy professional work under her belt. She works on, before she came to the university, she was working on um, health and social policy, came to the university with experience in managing all sorts of um, events for the managing, she was a managing principal for the Governor's Connection LLC, a senior associate at MBI Gluckshaw, and was the first legislative director for the American Civil Liberties of New Jersey. Barbara, um, welcome on board. Today we have so much to cover, but it's all good. All right. Um, we wanted to take some time to really think on what we as citizens in this wonderful nation um, need to think on as we're getting closer to our national, local, and state elections. Barbara wanted to share with us a little piece on the historic perspective of voting in America, so I'm gonna hand it on to her. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you, Anne, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here this afternoon talking about something so important as voting and voting rights. I'm thrilled to have our colleague, Gloria, Dr. Gloria Fredericks, uh, working and engaging with me this afternoon. So I'm looking forward to a very interesting conversation. Um, I know we, this is going to really be a brief conversation considering all the things that we can talk about when it comes to voting, but uh, hopefully it'll be interesting and it will uh, excite people to uh, exercise their right uh, starting, I guess, this week, because I think a lot of uh, states are looking to do early voting. So let me just share that I've been watching Hamilton now that it's streaming. and I don't have to pay $1,000 for a ticket. And <laughs> so excited about this play that um, talks about the founding fathers of our, um, of our country in ways that young people today can really relate to and, and people, I think, of all ages. So I'm really excited about that because I think you can't talk about 
voting unless you put it in context. And so we have to remember that A, we're still a relatively young country. But more importantly, when our forefathers started this country, they rebuked the ideal of having uh, taxation without representation, right? So we were coming out of uh, being under the tyranny, the monarchy of uh, Great Britain at the time, and coming into establishing this uh, democratic republic, which we're still really trying to figure out as a young country. So I want us to remember something. I want us to remember the preamble of the Constitution and what it really means for those of us who are talking today and listening, particularly at this time where there's so much um, trauma and upheaval and concerns about our, um, our way of living in our society as Americans. So the, the preamble simply states that we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and prosperity. Do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. And that is critical. And so when we talk about the right to vote, the right to vote comes from our establishment of this constitution that guides us as a republic. And what is interesting is that um, it's not a foregone conclusion that we have the right to vote still after that preamble and that constitution was put in place. And so we know that in 1776, all men over the age of 21 who owned land could vote. And so that went against, I think, everything that our forefathers stood for when they said, we are, we the people, we the people, a government uh, by the people, for the people, of the people, right? And so as we move down the historical um, timeline, we see that in 1868, we have the 14th Amendment, which gives all citizens the right to vote. Uh, men who are born as naturalized United States, naturalized or born in the United States, right? And again, men. So we're focused on men. We still haven't hit that mark yet in 1868. And then we go to 1870, the 15th Amendment of the US Constitution, which eliminates racial barriers. So it says now that, yeah, men can vote, all men can vote, even if you are of African descent and a slave in America, you are able to vote under the 15th Amendment. But we know that that was not the case. So we know that we've moved down this timeline. It wasn't until 1920 that women got the right to vote. And so we're celebrating 100 years of women getting the right to vote in this country, just 100 years. And yet, Black women who were also at the forefront of the suffragist movement in this country still were not quite able to vote under the 1920 uh, Amendment. We have women like uh, Mary McLeod Bethune who pushed the movement in Florida for black women to get the vote while suffragettes were fighting for this vote. And so really got women signed up and prepared them for voting. But yet we had things that were preventing black people from voting at those polls. We had literacy tests, there were poll tests, there were many um, obstacles preventing black people from voting, even though we're moving down the timeline of amendments in our, to our constitution. And so it really wasn't until 1965 that black people, black women, people of all ethnicities and races got the chance to vote. And I wanna go back to say that even when we were going through this timeline, the indigenous people of this country who were put on um, up, um, 
uh, reservations and had sovereignty on those reservations, did not have the right to vote until 1924 when the Indian Citizenship Act was passed. And then we have Asian Americans who have fought for the right to vote in this country until about 1952. And so we're looking at this cross section of us thinking back to our founding fathers and saying, if we're going to have a more perfect union, if we're going to create a government by the people, for the people, of the people, all people have to be engaged in this right to vote. And so it's really critical that we understand as we go through this election in 2020, that voting is a commodity. It is the most important commodity we have next to breathing. Because I dare say that if we can't vote, we might not even be able to breathe. And we saw that this year, unfortunately, with incidences like George Floyd. So it's really critical that we, in this conversation, understand how important it is that we live in a democratic republic that has gone through its growing pains to allow every citizen and uh, born in this country and naturalized the chance to vote. Let me also say that we are at a crossroads because we've lost one of our critical leaders in, our, in the Supreme Court, and that is the notorious RBG. I absolutely adored our justice, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She was uh, at Rutgers Law School. She created the uh, Women's Rights Law Reporter. I was blessed to be an editor of that reporter when I was at Rutgers Law School. Um, she was a champion for women, all women of all races and creeds, but she was a champion for this country. And so as we look to figure out how we move forward losing such an icon, let's remember that voting also means that we get the chance to determine what that Supreme Court looks like moving forward. And so I can't say it enough as we go into this conversation, the history is critical. If you don't understand the history, you do not understand your rights and we make mistakes moving forward. We're still a country that's growing and developing. We've had amendments that have now gotten us to this place where we can vote. It is our constitutional right. It is the air that we breathe. It is the ability for us to live lives that are truly about a perfect union, giving us the opportunity to have uh, domestic tranquility, common defense, general welfare, right? The pursuit of happiness by voting. Thank you so much, Barbara, for that energetic um, entry into this powerful discussion and, uh, and clearly um, letting us share and how important it is that we contemplate this. Um, thanks again. And Gloria, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit in, in terms of the importance of voter registration in this critical time. Thank you so much, Anne. And thank you, Barbara, for the introduction and the context for voting. Um, quite often, we don't look at that. We're just told to go vote. And it's really, really important that we understand that as, as, as some of our citizens, citizens have not always had that ability to vote. And now we do. So we really need to, as I say, exercise the franchise. Um, voting is on everybody's mind this, this year. And it includes not just the national uh, races, the presidential races and such, but also local races. And it's really important that we understand that um, those uh, those local races impact us as much as the presidential uh, election. As a matter of fact, the National Low Income Coalition 
has this motto, affordable houses are built with ballots, every bit as much as they are built with bricks and drywall. And that means that you have to get out and advocate for yourself and, and build a coalition that helps you in a, in, a, in a voting block that helps you to further the cause of affordable housing, of um, issues around uh, social justice, all that is part of why you vote. Um, so why do we vote? Why do we need to vote? Elections have consequences. There's no doubt about that. And as a matter of fact, when, when uh, Dr. Jordan was just talking about um, the uh, justice who just passed, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, our vote right now will impact what happens to us in 60 years, in 50 years. Um, so our vote ha will have a long range consequence. I look at the Supreme Court and, and think to myself, how in the world did we get to a point where um, we have so many justices who might influence whether or not we have health care, um, whether or not we, we get uh, reform on uh, prison reform, um, how we're able to build roads and bridges, and, and whether we're actually able to take care of ourselves, whether we have social security. All those things are as a result of consequences if you vote or don't vote. Voting also is having your voice, having the voice that says elections are important and I have a stake in what's happening in my community and to uh, measures and the candidates that I want to support uh, who will help me in my, to improve my standard of living. You also have to remember that when you vote, you're, actually, you're trying to direct how your money is spent. A lot of people don't think of it that way, but you are. You pay tax. You have to decide how money is spent. Um, you might not think about it in these terms, but with local elections, for example, uh, with mayors and councils, and when those uh, elections help you, uh, voting might also influence zoning. In other words, how, where, where the houses are built and whether you get to live in safe and decent housing, um, how the police are managed, um, how inspections are had. So not to vote um, means you're giving up your voice. You're also giving up the money that you would need in order to to, do, to improve the community. Voting is an opportunity for change. And this election is the epitome of what will need to happen to change. You cannot just sit and, and not vote. You know, recently I was listening to this um, professor at, at Kunsttown University and she was talking about, uh, she had gotten really discouraged about voting. She teaches, uh, to slavery and the issues around slavery. And she just felt that with the election and what was happening and the way it was shaping up, that she had no uh, way to go. And then she heard a, a newly um, minted citizen 
an immigrant who had just become a citizen, who was all excited about voting and what he could do and how he could manage his life because he was going to vote. And she said that she then had no choice when hearing that, that she had to vote. She had to vote for change. She had to vote because it matters. Black voters and, and brown voters have some challenges, but they can be overcome. So figure out a way to overcome it. For example, um, in many states, felony convictions does, do not prohibit you from voting. You just need to figure out how to do it. Go to your local board of elections go to your um, Secretary of State's office and they can help you figure that out. Make sure you're still registered to vote because even if you have registered in the past, you, the, the many states purge the rolls. So go to votersearch.com and make sure that you are still registered to vote. Make a plan. Decide that you can vote in person, or if your state has early voting or um, mail-in voting, decide which is going to be the most advantageous for you. Um, mail-in ballots need to be put in early. Most states have a way to track that ballot, so do that to make sure you are, are still registered. Um, many states have early voting. Don't wait to the last minute. This is too important an election. And some states have already started to vote. Like I'm in North Carolina. We started on September 4 to vote. Not all states do it that way. Felons can vote in North Carolina. I want to give you a, an example of the consequence of not voting. In Florida, the voters decided that felons could, uh, should be able to vote. The legislature, which is Republican control, controlled at this point, decided that they didn't want that. So they made it difficult for felons to vote. So they, um, they added the equivalent of a poll tax that we had done away with, we thought, years ago. But in order to vote, they, the felons now have to pay an amount of money and before they can vote. Ridiculous. At any rate, I think I've used up my time. Anne keeps saying to me, you're done, you're done. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Lori, your work is never done. And that's it. I need a plan. I got that. Um, I do need a plan. Barbara, as the executive director for the John S. Watson for Institute Policy, um, Public Policy, she does manage the New Jersey Urban Mayors Association. And I was wondering if maybe you could add your perspective in terms of what it means voting at the local level. Thank you, Anne, absolutely. Let me just go back though and say that uh, I'm gonna go again with history and said it was uh, in 1971 that the 26th Amendment gave 18 year olds the chance to vote, the right to vote. So um, I think that in this election, they're gonna make the difference. Those 18 to 25 year old demographic, that group that we think are asleep at the wheel, are gonna say enough of COVID, enough of all of the issues that they've seen in terms of Black Lives Matter and people getting out in the streets and protesting, and they're gonna vote. So I'm excited about the fact that they got the right to vote, and I think they're gonna exercise that vote in the 2020 election. Um, let me also say that down ballot voting is critical. 
And that's a, a phrase that we hear over and over again now in media with our talking heads on Sunday mornings. And people are like, what is down ballot voting? So most of the time, you know, people are excited and they get out to vote for the presidential elections, hopefully. Um, but as Gloria stated, the day-to-day -day -day existence of a person in this country is not just based on your presidential elections or the federal congressional's um, makeup. It's truly dependent upon your local elected officials. And so it is important that you know when your governor is up for re-election in New Jersey 2021, uh, November. It's important that you understand that your state, how your state Senate is uh, managed and how, what the terms are and how they, um, when they're up for election. So that you have in New Jersey, for instance, we have um, 40 senators, state senators and 80 assembly persons. And so it's important to know, and it's very simple, like you go to the, the Secretary of State's um, office or website and you can find all the information you need on voting in most states right you go to your county uh, board of elections and you can typically get a sense of what the term limits are where how people vote who's uh, going to be up whose offices are up etc but it's important to understand that you've got a gubernatorial race in your state that's critical to how uh, for instance your state managed uh, the onset of this pandemic the person sitting in that gubernatorial seat you have again state senators and assembly persons in the case of New Jersey that are critical to as Gloria said uh, determining even if the federal law says X how can they then um, uh, refine and possibly even contain uh, and put language in place that changes what the what the right of a person should be uh, we also have mayors in new jersey we have um 564 municipalities we're called a home rule state all of those municipalities have a mayor and um they're elected officials locally that help to determine how they work to make sure that the dollars that are coming from the federal government to state government and the taxes that you give to your state government comes back to you in the form of services, whether that is infrastructure for street repair, whether it is picking up your garbage, uh, whether it is uh, helping to work with school boards to determine what kind of access your children have during a pandemic to Wi-Fi or to computers so that they can do the online learning. All of that happens at the local level. So you have, uh, in, the, in, in the case of New Jersey as an example, you have mayors, you have council members who are elected. Uh, to sit in the council and they're the checks and balance. They look at the budget and they deal with ordinances on the local level as they work to check and balance the mayor that's sitting in that seat. Uh, you also have school board members that are critical to determine how your child is learning, what they're learning, uh, what resources they bring to bear uh, for your child's learning process in your schools. We have uh, planning and zoning committees. And uh, depending on the state, some of those are elected. We have uh, in New Jersey, we elect our sheriffs. And you know that's extremely important when we look at the Black Lives Matter movement and we talk about who is responsible for how policing takes place in a particular community and what do we do when there's misconduct? So something like knowing whether or not you vote for your sheriff is critical. In the state of New Jersey, we have a strong governor, so, governor, so our governor appoints judges. And so it's important for you to know when you're uh, voting for the governor of your state, is that a strong governor uh, seat? Does that governor also appoint your uh, Supreme Court judges, your, um, your, the judges that are in your municipal courts or other places in the state, right? So all of that is important. And right now we have at our fingertip 
a computer or a library, we can have access to computers and information where we can look up all of this. You know, who manages our lives from the elected space? What does that look like for me? Who is my council person? Who is my mayor? I'll go to a council meeting just to sit and listen and learn. You may be surprised at all of the different things that they discuss there. Uh, go to your, if, if you're able to, we have, we're in a small, densely populated and, and, and very tight um, uh, in terms of geography state. So we can probably drive to our capital city from anywhere in the state within a couple of hours. But if you're not even able to go to your capital to hear, to sit in on a hearing, because in most places in the country, um, in your state legislature, there are hearings taking place every week, a couple of times a week, and those hearings have everything to do with what, how you are living your life in your state. And so it's important to tune in, either via online or if possibly in person, and they have hearings on everything, from where you walk your dog, whether dog parks, whether they're going to um, give resources to create dog parks, right? to uh, whether or not your daycare provider in a community that's um, underserved will be able to access funding to open a daycare that's properly uh, monitored and registered so it, has, it follows the right rules and regulations so that you know your child is in a safe place, but they also have the resources to properly open it and manage that daycare. So there are a lot of different um, things that your locally elected officials are uh, oversee and um, it's important for us to know that. So down ballot voting is critical. In New Jersey, I know we're voting for not just a president and vice president, but we're voting for our senator. We're voting for um, our congressional leaders this year. Um, we're voting in some places for our sheriff, for our freeholders in the New Jersey. They're called freeholders. I think they've changed that name recently uh, to committee uh, chairs or something like that, but they're a county government. So we're voting for county government as well. And they really are responsible for our interstate, the, the highways that come through many different municipalities. So they manage those highways. Uh, they manage your county parks. They are involved in, in looking at um, how money is resourced for schools, et cetera. So all of those things are critical. So again, when we're talking about voting, let the 2020 election excite you. We're all sort of polarized right now. And, and, and polarization could be a good thing. So if it's exciting you to say, if we're waking up some folks to say, you know what, I've been asleep. I've been uh, complacent. I've also been complicit sometimes. And so, you know, now I'm excited. Now, you know, I'm gonna get out there and I'm going to cast maybe for the first time because we are a country that take our voting rights for granted. And I can't remember the percentage, but it's a small percentage of Americans that vote. And so I would like to see that number get to 100% or at least 45, right? So let's get out and vote and let this presidential election excite us so that we start looking around and saying, wait a minute, I want that street sign to look differently or I want to be able to have this street widened because the traffic is, is, is very dense and it's causing a problem with kids crossing the street going to school on this particular uh, thoroughfare in the morning, right? So those are the kinds of things that you may start to think about now as you excite and you go vote in the presidential election, right? You may decide, hey, now I wanna know more about what's happening locally. And I will say, as Gloria stated, uh, voting is, has started in a lot of states. New Jersey has started to send out its mail-in ballots. Um, in New Jersey, you do the mail-in ballot. There are gonna be drop boxes in uh, counties across the state. You can go to your county clerk's uh, off, um, website or the Secretary of State's website. There's also gonna be places, polls, not all the polls will be open. 
So you have to check that out, but there'll be polling places where you can go drop off your ballot, your mail-in ballot. For those who are, uh, have uh, disabilities, or those maybe who have language challenges, there will be opportunities to go to the poll. But again, you will have to have ID uh, in most places, I think, this year. And because the polling places have changed, and you will have to be able to uh, make sure that you're accessing those things early. So go to your Secretary of State's website, go to the county clerk, and make sure you understand what you need to do to vote in the 2020 election. But vote for the president, the vice president, vote for your congressional leader and your senator, vote for your sheriff if they're on that ballot, vote for your freeholder or county representative if they're on that ballot, find out when those other council positions and mayoral positions are coming up. Mayor's uh, terms uh, vary, usually four years, but when they come into the seat and when they leave the seat will vary according to where you live and, and, you know, and how that uh, system works in your area. So please just, just become overly uh, informed because it's critical, it's critical from the person sitting in your school board to the person who's sitting at the White House, all in between. All of those positions are important to making sure that you have what we talked about very early on is truly the ability to live in a country that is fair, that is safe, that provides the kind of opportunity that we know this country can provide. So uh, that's what I want to say. And I think I just wanted to mention also about the census that there's been a campaign, right, about census for the last, over the last year or so. And um, the census uh, is still going on. We still need to make sure people are filling out those census forms because that determines resources. How, what, how many people live in your area will determine how that pie is divided in terms of the resources that you need for that area. That's everything, healthcare, education, schools, streets, uh, crime, but it's also uh, who represents you. The number of representatives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Who's also representing you um, yeah. down in Washington. It's just a wonderful blessing to be able to bring people together to talk about things that are so important for us all. Um, if you have any additional questions or concerns you'd like us to address or dialogue with, you can always reach out to the school. You can start with us at watson at tesu.edu.